This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Letter number 30. No. Well known that our sage of the blessed memory said that whoever is accustomed to come to the synagogue and one day did not come, the Holy One, blessed be he, inquires after him, for it is written, Who among you fears Hashem, who listens to the voice of his prophetic servant, who walked in the darkness, and for whom no light shone? The Gemara understands this verse as referring to a person who went to a place of darkness. His path on this occasion did not lead to the performance of a mitzvah, and this was why he did not attend synagogue. In contrast, the commentaries on the Tanakh understand the quoted phrase as referring to a person who finds himself in a situation of darkness and travail. And even such an individual should not refrain from attending, but should, as the verse concludes, trust in the divine name and rely on his God. In this spirit, the present letter argues that even in a difficult situation at a time of darkness, a Jew should not think of reducing his accustomed charitable contributions. Rather, he should trust in the divine name and rely on his God. To return now to the opening teaching, that whoever is accustomed to come to the synagogue and one day did not come, Hashem inquires after him. This does not apply only to the communal prayer of which the Gemara speaks. When a person takes upon himself a good deed, he is accustomed, he accustomed himself to come to Shul, so he made a commitment that he will be counted. And when you make a commitment, Hashem comes to expect it of you. And then suddenly you stop showing up, Hashem says, wait a minute, what happened? You went a while. You disappeared on me. So if you don't make a commitment, you don't make a commitment. But if you make a commitment and you, you're accustomed, then it's a responsibility. It's a privilege, but it's also a responsibility. You can't suddenly like disappear. You know, Hashem comes to expect, expect it of you. You know, we carry a responsibility. We carry a it's a commitment, and, um, and Hashem relies on us, so to speak, and depends on us. And if we don't show up, Hashem says, what happened? And the simple meaning of the verse that he bases this on, the rabbis base this on, is that it's talking about if a person has a difficult time, and even in difficult times, you should still hope to Hashem. And the rabbi said that it's referring to interpreted the drash, the medrash is that, that because a person is in darkness, because his path did not lead him to the synagogue, 
Why didn't the ten synagogue? Because he's following in the path of darkness. He's not performing a mitzvah. So he's saying that even when a person finds it difficult, even when there are darkness, there are times that it's difficult. You made a commitment, but there are times that it's easier and there are times that are difficult. But even when times are difficult, once you already made a commitment, there's no going back. You have to continue with your commitment even in the hard times, not only when it's convenient and when it's easy, even when it's difficult. You know, someone said it's a kunst to give tzedakah when it's easy. It's a big deal to give tzedakah when it's easy. The big deal is when things are down, the things are not so easy, and you continue giving. That's a tremendous thing. So even things are dark and things are difficult, but you are counted, you volunteered, you counted, you accustom yourself to certain things, and there's a certain... A responsibility that you're carrying that's expected of you and then you're not there in the shul and Hashem says what happened what happened to my he, <laughs> he disappeared on me so the Gemara is speaking about davening coming to minion, coming to shul the Alter Rebbe will now say continue Rather, the same applies to all the commandments, and especially to the precept of charity, which is balanced against all the commands. Thus, if the above teaching applies to prayer, it surely applies to charity. If a person retreats from his customary charitability, Hashem inquires after him. Right, so it's true of all the mitzvahs. Yes, the Gemara is speaking about it. The Pasuk verse is speaking about prayer, synagogue, but the idea is the same. What difference does it make? commit yourself, you volunteer to do a mitzvah and you're, you're accustomed to doing the mitzvah and all of a sudden you disappear it's a void you're noted, if you never started in the first place, it's one thing, but if you started and you're accustomed, you're committed, and then suddenly there's a void, Hashem came to rely on it you know, the world needs your mitzvah Hashem, came, Hashem needs your mitzvah, and all of a sudden you're not there Hashem inquires what's going on Some, you're missing, you're noted it's noticeable the void is noticeable. It's how much more so in the mitzvah of tzedakah. That if you're accustomed to give tzedakah, even in times of darkness when there's difficult for you to give tzedakah, once you're already accustomed, if you suddenly withdraw, you leave a void, an absence that's noted. And not in a positive way. Hashem wonders What's going on? Hashem is asking, where is he? What's, what happened? He disappeared on me. That's not a question that we want Hashem to ask about us. That's not the type of noticing that we want. <laughs> we want Hashem to notice us in a positive sense. You know, there was a, the rabbi was walking to Shul in Yom Kippur and he meets this 98-year-old sitting on the park bench. He says, he's not coming to Shul, Yom Kippur. He says, Rabbi, I think they forgot about me. I don't want them to notice me. I don't want to remind them. <laughs> this, is, this is not a type of noticing that, uh, <laughs> that we want Hashem to notice us and to ask and inquire, what happened? Where is he? Though one's regular giving is not bound by a vow, heaven to offend, one should of course see to it that an accustomed mitzvah should not become subject to the legal force. Whenever you do, you take a commitment upon yourself. You always add, Belin Neder. 
without making a promise. Even if you don't, if you don't say blinadah, if you do something three times, it becomes like an oath, becomes like a commitment. So anytime you take upon yourself a new deal, even if you're planning to go through with it, and you are planning to go through with it, always say, take a good resolution, always say without promise of, God forbid, I don't live up to it, I'm not violating anything. That's what he's saying, you volunteered. We're not talking about an obligation. Something that you volunteered. To go to Minyan, you can argue it's an obligation. You have to go to Minyan. You have to go to Shul. So there you can understand why Hashem is asking what happened. He disappeared. But here we're talking about taking upon yourself a tzedakah. You're not committed. Who says I have to give tzedakah to this level? I have to give tzedakah to this cause? But I took it upon myself. And I accustomed myself to give. And even if you weren't, if you volunteered. And you made sure that it remains voluntary. You added, I'm not committing. Nevertheless, this applies to this case as well. Once you've accustomed to it, you've taken it upon yourself, Hashem comes to rely on it. And it's like suddenly there's a void in the universe. It's, like, like it's missing. You know? It's like the world needs this good deed and, and suddenly he disappeared. So Hashem inquires, what happened? Nevertheless, it is not becoming to the divine soul of all the men of valor whose hearts the fear of God has touched, that they should reduce that which is holy. For by restricting their charitable contributions, they reduce the downfall of divine energy from the sublime source, which is called Kodesh, into the sphere of Malchut, relative to what they were accustomed to set aside annually from their wealth. He says that those who fear Hashem, whose hearts feel the fear of Hashem, it touches them. They really care and take it to heart. So they should be careful not to reduce that which is holy. Because by them not giving tzedakah, by them not following through on this custom that they've accustomed themselves to, they actually reduce that which is holy. Not only are they not giving tzedakah, they're reducing that which is holy. Because, as he's going to explain, when you give tzedakah, you cause the divine energy from the divine source of Kaddish into the source of all the world. So you like increase the divine flow of energy into this world. You, do, you cause a divine illumination. So when you're giving tzedakah, you're causing a divine illumination. By you stopping to give tzedakah, you're causing, you're reducing this, this illumination. So yes, I'm not talking about obligation, not obligation. But if you understand the effect of your positive mitzvah, and what a profound effect it has. We're talking about tzedakah, which is the equivalent of all the other mitzvah. And it causes a tremendous divine illumination into the source of all the worlds and into the world. So by you stopping to give tzedakah, you're affecting, you're reducing this, so you're stopping this divine flow. So if you really care and you really have the fear of Hashem and it touches your heart, you can't bring yourself to cause this, to eliminate this divine flow or to cause a reduction in the divine flow. To revive the spirit of the humble and downcast of nothing of their own. The impoverished set was in the Holy Land.
which during the time of exile is referred to as the fallen sukkah of David, and also in the supernal source, the spirit of Malchut in the world of Atzlut, to raise and exalt it, so that oneness be united with oneness. So he's referring to here the charity, one of the most ancient charities of Israel, which is still present today. It's called Kolel Chabad. That was the charity to help the Jews who settled in Israel and uh, to help them physically, financially. And many of the letters that we learned was all about tzedakah, the importance of tzedakah, and specifically the importance of giving tzedakah to the Holy Land in Israel, the Jews living in the Holy Land. So he says those, he's referring to here, that there were difficult, difficult times. Even in the best of times, Russia was difficult. But this was difficult, extremely difficult. And people stopped giving the same amount they used to give. They were cutting down, minimizing their donation. It was a bad year. So we have to reduce the donation. So he's pleading, after that, he's pleading with them, don't, don't do this. Don't minimize, don't cut down. If every year you committed and every year you gave a certain amount and you were accustomed to giving a certain amount, even though to do the same this year will be very, very difficult for you to do, don't, don't stop. And don't minimize because you don't want to minimize the flow, the holy flow. Because when you help a poor person, you're giving someone who has nothing on his own. So you're reviving him. You're literally giving him his life, which achieves the same thing above. Because malchus, malchus, the, the level, the attribute of royalty, which is the lowest of all the sefirot, which has fallen, we're in exile. So we're fallen. Hashem's divine royalty has fallen. Right? The Jewish royalty is no longer present in Israel and the temple is destroyed and Jews are in exile and the Shekhinah is in exile and the temple is destroyed. So it has fallen. It's, it's, it's like destitute. The Shekhinah, Malchus, Hashem's presence, Hashem's manifestation is destitute. Homeless. We have one home, some have two homes, some have three homes, four homes. Hashem is homeless, doesn't even have a single home. So Hashem is destitute. So when you give tzedakah, you're helping the shechina. You're, you're reviving it. You're sustaining it. As a result of our act in this world of helping someone who's poor and helping them, you also, Hashem is interactive. So too you cause a divine revelation to the level of sukkahs David Anifelas, to this level of malchus that has nothing on its own, and you revived it. And especially it's in the state of fallenness. In the context of souls in this world, this means that tzedakah unites one Jew with his fellow. In the supernal context of spirot, it refers to the desired connection between the lower level of unity, which comes into being when the sphere of Malchot becomes the source of creation to lower worlds, and the higher level of unity, involving the six higher remote of spirot, which transcend direct contact with the created worlds. This is the union of Kuchu and Shekinah, which is also Malchut of Atzma. So just like in this world, when you give tzedakah, you're unifying. You're unifying, literally, physically unifying, the rich and the poor. Uh, different worlds, the 1% and the 
and the and the opposite. You're unifying. There's a divide. There's a gulf, a gap. And here, and there's a jealousy and envy. And here, the one who has is helping the one who doesn't have. The one who's poor and destitute. So you're creating tremendous unity. You're bringing the two together, the rich and the poor, two opposites, and you're bringing them together. So too, in the divine, the rich refers to the higher level, which is Kaddish, Hashem, who's holy and transcendent. And that's Hashem, that's transcendent, that can't be revealed. Then you have Baruch. Baruch means to draw down, to reveal. That's the Shekhinah, which is manifest and reveal. The level that could be revealed. So it's like two opposites. Kaddish is transcendent, is lofty, above, exalted. That's like the rich, represents the rich. And the poor is the end that could be revealed. It's the most external, superficial, what could be revealed. Only the most external, superficial. Like a teacher that reveals by communicating, putting into words. In words that the student could understand. So what part of the teacher is the teacher able to communicate to the student? The most superficial, the most external, the part that can be put into words. But the inner depth and the richness and the dazzling, uh, dazzling insight that the teacher has is totally beyond the brain and the capacity of the student. So the, the communication, which is the malchus, which is the shechina, like the revelation, is the most external and superficial level. That's like the impoverished. That's what he calls like the impoverished, the lowest level. Or he receives and it communicates and transmits, but it's just the lowest, most external, superficial level. So it's two different worlds. There's Kaddish and there's Baruch. There's holy, transcendent, which represents the inner richness, the higher level of unity with a world that doesn't even exist. The world has no significance. Words and letters mean nothing. And then you have the world of words and letters, communication, where the world is become significant. There's, you're communicating, and you're transmitting, and, and there is someone outside of you, and there's a relationship and a connection. So these two universes are so far apart. One is transcendent and lofty and cannot be revealed, and one is the world of revelation, which is the most superficial and external. How do you unify these two? How do you unify these two levels, Kaddish and Baruch? How do you draw down the level of Kaddish, the transcendent, lofty level, that that should be revealed in this world, in the world of revelation, or in the level of Malchus? That this level should be able to be communicated and be revealed in this world. So it's only by tzedakah. When you give tzedakah, and you unite the rich and the poor. So it's through tzedakah that we achieve this powerful unification where you're able to take from the rich and reveal this level of richness and wealth. You're able to reveal it even in, in, in the level of malchus. And even in this world, we should be able to feel and sense the higher level of unity the sense that there's no other reality but Hashem and the whole world is nullified and insignificant to Hashem. But that we should, we should be able to reveal that within us. We should be able to sense it and grasp it. This is like a paradox. It's, it's the ultimate unification of opposites.
This comes about through tzedakah. So every time you give tzedakah, you achieve this powerful unification. In general, when you do a mitzvah, but especially when you do the ultimate mitzvah, tzedakah, which is the equivalent of all the other mitzvahs, which weighs equally to all other mitzvahs, when you, every time you give tzedakah, you achieve this powerful unification, this divine flow and unification between the holy and the revealed. So you want to reduce giving tzedakah? You want to stop this flow? This powerful effect? And don't forget, Al-Tarebi is talking to his community in Russia. He's not talking about... Most people couldn't give great sums of money. They gave pennies, they gave kupkas, they gave their food money, they gave whatever they could. It wasn't much. Al-Tarebi says, when you give a kupka, when you give a penny, when you give a, that amount that you're able to give, especially if it's your bread money and if it's hard for you that doesn't matter not the amount it's whatever you're able to give that achieves and affects this tremendous powerful flow this tremendous powerful effect on the whole universe on Hashem so you can understand if a person will stop this person will think what's the big deal I'm a nobody I'm insignificant the amount of money I'm giving is insignificant who cares what difference does it make no if you realize the effect that your tzedakah has on high you understand how Hashem starts questioning what happened because he reduced it reduced my divine flow my divine revelation so the effect the repercussions are so powerful the act of tzedakah repercussion is so powerful. In the positive sense, so if you stop it, the repercussions are also powerful. It's noted. Hashem notices. It's not like, oh, what's the big deal? Hashem notices. What's going on? Hashem asks, inquires, what happened? I'm missing, it's missing. It's an essential, it became an essential ingredient, an essential something to be looked forward to, to expect it. And all of a sudden it's missing, so, the, so this essential thing is missing. It's not just a detail, a minor detail. So to really believe that Hashem inquires about us, that we really matter. You know, it's a foreign concept to the modern person today, you know. Everything they're taught is that we're insignificant. What difference do we make? We're one in seven billion. Who even notices us? They say if someone thinks that um, he's unwanted, let him stop paying his bills. (laughs) 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 He'll see suddenly how wanted he is and how important he is and how much he matters and no one forgets. But in the real sense, the sense is a very nihilistic sense. So what difference does it make? And there's one in seven billion. Who even notices? Who pays attention? Who remembers the Bill Gates of 100 years ago? Who cares? Just live life, live for the moment. It doesn't matter. But that's so far from the truth. The reality is Hashem inquires about us individually. What happened? Where are you? I need you. What a concept. I didn't come to show. What do you mean? Hashem says, I missed you. 
<laughs> I noticed what happened. Where are you? Shem noticed? You noticed me? Once I didn't come? Or, I mean, what, what, what? One year was a hard, a hard year, so I stopped giving. Hashem notices. Hashem asks, inquires what's going on. I need you. What happened? What a, what a powerful truth, concept. What a powerful truth to live in. It makes life so much, so meaningful and rewarding and real. I matter. Everything I do matters. And so much so that even if I volunteered and I took a commitment which I said clearly, it's, I'm not committing myself. But nevertheless, since the effect is so powerful, I have to continue. And everything is judged according to the multiplicity of action. As discussed above in Epistle 1, it is preferable to divide as some set aside for tzedakah into many individual acts of giving. Maimonides explains that this refines the soul. Chazidut adds that each act of giving affects a union, yichud, in the worlds above. Accordingly, the author Rebbe explained in the above epistle that one's annual contribution for the needy of Eretz Israel should be given weekly or at least monthly. It be therefore be that he here is warning against reducing one's contribution one year and compensating for it in the following year, because in this way, the present year would be lacking the multiplicity of action. It is clear that the author of is not speaking here of a situation in which a person simply thinks of not giving because of his difficult circumstances, because he has already said at this old 16 that even if one needs to borrow for food, he should still give to God. So here we're talking about the, the, the uh, people who think to themselves, listen, I'll skip one year, and I'll make up for it. I'll make up for it next year. I'm not planning to minimize anything. I'm just going through a rough time. So let me take a break, and I'll get back to it. Not, not to stop altogether. As Dr. Rebbe says, you can't, you don't have that luxury. If someone else is starving, you can't have luxus while someone else is starving. Yes, your life comes first, but not at the expense of the other person dropping dead. And you will have luxus. So even if you have to borrow to eat, but you have to continue to give tzedakah, even if it's difficult. And so this is a continuation of that. Of course, you're not planning to shirk your responsibility. But you just want to stop for a year, take a break, a recess. The Rebbe is impressing upon the Hasidim. You can't take a recess because the effect of your tzedakah is needed now, today. Just like he explained in letter 21, that it's not only the, qual- the quantity of what you're giving, which matters and makes a huge difference. Of course, you can't compare someone who's giving $100, someone's giving $1,000, someone's giving $10,000, someone's giving $100,000, someone's giving a million. Just like we're impressed, wow. You know, a lot of zeros in heaven. It also makes a big impression. Wow, this is a huge donation. This is something very powerful. But Dr. Rebbe said, if you can give the same donation, and if it's a type of charity which is like Israel, it doesn't matter today, tomorrow. It's not like they need it today. Obviously, if the, if the charity needs the donation, a million dollars today, write one check and give it to them today. Don't string it out. 
But by the time he gets to the land of Israel, let's say it doesn't matter if you give it today or you give it, he says, rather, you should give it on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. So I guess you're spreading it out. To every, you, so you have the best of both worlds. A, you have the huge amount that you want to give. Because it, all, it all adds up. And like any good fundraiser can tell you, when someone breaks it down every month, you end up, and every week, you end up giving more than if you just wrote one check for the year. <laughs> it's just the nature of things. So not only you're not giving less quantity, you end up even giving more. But you also have the advantage of every time that you give, not only are you training yourself to give, and it's, 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 but it's also the effect that it has on high, the effect that it has, and the divine effect that it has. Every time you give tzedakah, penny, every time you give a thousand times, you give the same thousand dollars, you give it a thousand times, you're affecting that unity a thousand times. Versus if you just write one check. So yes, it's a huge amount and that's tremendous and it makes a big impression above and it draws down a big, uh, big light. But if you can have the best of both worlds, A, give the thousand dollars, but break it down into weekly and, and, and minimum monthly, then every time you give tzedakah, you're, you're affecting a tremendous unification. And tzedakah is so powerful. The world needs this revelation. The world needs this divine light. The world needs this illumination. The world is so dark and so coarse and so crass that it just needs this healing of tzedakah. It needs this bombardment of tzedakah. Bombardment. The Rebbe stood every Sunday on dollars. Every Sunday, giving thousands and thousands of dollars, giving every Sunday to teach us the importance of constant tzedakah, constant tzedakah, because this is what our time needs desperately, more than any other time. Because when there's so much darkness, so much confusion, so much chaos, we need the constant bombardment of tzedakah and tzedakah and tzedakah, which is the divine healing for everything, and draws down the divine light and makes this world uh, a livable place, a godly place, a holy place. So Alter Rebbe says, that's why I'm encouraging you. Don't delay it to next year. Even though you're planning to give the same amount, you're not planning to reduce anything eventually. But we need your giving now. Just like you're accustomed to give up until this point, you're accustomed to give every month, every week, every... So you should continue doing it. Even now when it's difficult, continue. Continue doing it. And according to the account of Heshbon, as the Alter Rebbe will soon point out, the level of divinity from which one elicits Hashem's greatness is determined by the magnitude of the total amount, whether it is in hundreds or in thousands or whatever. Multiples of a hundred, for example, relate to the known level as Keter. Reducing one's regular gift, thus proportionately reduces both his great amount and its cosmic effect. So he says, not only should you continue giving frequently, the same frequency that you are accustomed to give every week, or at least every month, but also you should continue doing to the amount that you're accustomed to give. Don't, God forbid, minimize the amount. And then you have the both worlds. You're giving the amount, the amount, which all adds up. And when you add up what you've given the whole year, but instead of writing one check, what you end up giving over the whole year, 
what you're doing is you're giving the same amount, but you're giving it on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, so you have the best of both worlds. So please, Alter Rebbe says, don't reduce, even in these difficult times. That's how, That's how Sages of Blessed Memory says, all the individual coins given to charity add up to a great amount. Every time that you give, every individual adds up. So it's not just each time that you give, you can add it all up together. So even though I'm not giving him one great check, I'm breaking it up. But it's as if, when at the end of the year, when you add it all up, it's counted as if you gave one big check. So you have, you have the best of both worlds. You've given individually and separately, and each time you affect. But you also have the cheshman, you also have the huge amount. When you add it all up, it's a sizable amount. It's a beautiful, generous donation which has, has an effect as well, very powerful effect. So, yeah. And it's taught by our sages, a blessed memory, when is Havaya great? When he is in the city of God, Malchut, at which, i.e. God's greatness is revealed when the divine name Havaya is vested in the sphere of Malchut and illuminates it. Malchut, the realm of speech, is known as the city of our God. But just as a city is composed of many dwellings, which in turn are composed of many bricks, so too is the realm of speech built up of many letters and combinations of letters. In the Sefer Yitzhirah, letters are termed stones, for they are the basic bricks which join to form the ongoing divine creative utterances, which are the source of all worlds and all created beings. They thus reveal the greatness of Hashem's glory. The Alter Rebbe now continues to speak of the city of our God, which is the Sphira of Malchus. So he says, when is God revealed? Hashem. The name Hashem, when is it revealed? Uh, Hashem is like uh, the level of Kaddish. Hashem who is transcendent. God is past, present, and future. Transcends time and space. Transcends nature. And it's transcendent. It's holy. It's beyond revelation. But how is God revealed in the city of Elokeinu, the name Elokeinu, which represents Malchus? That's the revelation. Words, letters. Words and letters reveal. When you speak, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're feeling. I know what your, your, what your comprehension, your insight. So they reveal. So when is Hashem revealed? Hashem is revealed through the communication, through the Malchus. And the Malchus is made up of many building blocks. Like words are made up of letters and ideas put into many different words. The more building blocks you have, the more you could reveal. So too with tzedakah. When you give tzedakah, the more building blocks you have, the more times you give tzedakah. could be the same amount, but the more times you give tzedakah, every time you give, it's a building block, it's a brick. Together, with, with these building blocks, you can build a beautiful edifice to Hashem, a city where Hashem could dwell, Hashem could re- be revealed. So this is the whole purpose. Hashem wanted to live, to dwell. He wanted to be revealed in this world. He wanted a dwelling place, to live in a city, to be revealed. Himself, who's beyond revelation, who's transcendent and, and he wanted himself to be revealed in the world of revelation. How do you reveal him? 
How does he feel at home? How do you build a city? Many bricks, many stones, each a letter. Letters come together to form a word. Word comes together to form an idea. And that contains, that's the city where he is revealed. So what are the bricks and what are the letters and what are the, the stones? Every time you do a mitzvah, every time you give tzedakah, it's another brick, it's another stone. It causes Hashem to be revealed. So th- this is the building blocks of creation. This is the building blocks of the whole purpose of creation. This is what Hashem wanted. This is how we build the type of world that Hashem wanted. Hashem created the world, but He's hidden. But Hashem wanted to create a world where He could be revealed. How do you build a world where Hashem could be revealed? Through mitzvahs, through tzedakah. So every time you give tzedakah, it's another brick, it's another stone, it's another... You're building this world that Hashem wants, a world where He can be fully revealed and He can live there, a dwelling place. That's the power of tzedakah. That's the power of giving numerous times. Giving Every time you give, they're breaking it down into small pieces. Because every piece is another brick. And that's how you build a home. That's how you build a city, from the bottom up. One brick at a time. One letter at a time. One word at a time. And before you know it, one word becomes, one letter becomes two letters, and becomes three letters, and becomes a word, or one word becomes two words, three words becomes a sentence. Two sentences, three sentences, four sentences, becomes a paragraph, becomes a, becomes a chapter, becomes a book. That's how you build. That's how you build a home. One brick at a time, one stone at a time. You put it together. Something, you get a wall, and you get another wall, and you get a room, and you get a house, and you get a second. So this is how we build it. One brick at a time, one mitzvah at a time, especially one act of tzedakah at a time. So it's the preciousness of each individual act, of t- each individual mitzvah, each individual act. Don't minimize and say, what's the big deal? No, you have to understand the importance. How much weight it carries. What a profound effect it has. This is the building blocks of the world that Hashem wanted. It's in our hands. It's up to us. We built this city. By us doing the mitzvah, we draw down another block, another revelation. And the more built out it is, the more building blocks, the more letters, the more words, the more the revelation. If, if you don't have anything to build with, you have no material to build with, I can't build anything. You can build a little hut. But the more stones and the more bricks, I can build a palace. Every mitzvah counts. Every time we give tzedakah counts. Even it's the same amount at the end of the day. But every time you do it, it's another brick, it's another brick. You're expanding. It's growing. And therefore, Hashem could be revealed. This is the spiritual state and the place of reckoning, Teshvan. For reckoning is possible only with entities which are finite and divisible, and Malkut is the source of all finite and divisible created beings. So above the level of Malkut, the level of Hashem, the level of Kadesh, Kutra, of holy, the holy one. That's beyond numbers. It's beyond concepts, beyond words, beyond letters, beyond numbers. It's infinite. It's beyond revelation. It's, it's, it's transcendent. It's exalted. It's, 
But Hashem wanted revelation. He wanted to reveal. To reveal, this is only in the world of finite, with His words and the letters and His concepts and His numbers and His ideas. This is the world that you can build. This is the world that can house and contain. You can create a city, a home, and a city where Hashem feels at home. So this is the world of numbers. That's why the numbers matter. Each time we do a mitzvah matters. How many times we do it matters. Each and every time. It adds up. You can do the same mitzvah once. You can do the same mitzvah ten times, twelve times, fifty-two times, fifty-two weeks. You've just added fifty-two bricks. If you just write one check, it's one brick. Okay, it's a big brick. But it's one brick. When you do the same thing 52 times, it's 52 bricks, 52 stones. Somebody can create a whole room. So it's, so it's important. It matters. Quantity matters. Above the level of malchus, it's all about quality. Who cares about quantity? But in the level of malchus, numbers matter. That's why, in order to have a, in order to have the shechina, you have to have a minion. In order for the shechina, for Hashem's manifestation to be revealed and open and manifest, you need ten Jews. Numbers matter. Quantity matters. You can't say it's Hashem. Hashem is infinite. Who cares about numbers? Numbers don't matter. It's not a numbers game. Abraham was one. There was only one Jew. There was one Jew. Hashem can give us the Torah with thunder and lightning doesn't matter. Quantity. Quantity doesn't matter. Not so. We just came from the giving of the Torah. Rabbi Shimon says if one Jew is missing, Moshe cannot receive the Torah. That had to be 600,000. Every last Jew counts. To have a min- you have nine Moses, you don't have a minion, can't say Kaddish. You add a simple tailor, you have a minion, you have the numbers. It is a numbers game. It is about numbers. Quantity matters. Because the whole purpose is Hashem wanted it to be revealed. Revealed by definition means a world where numbers matter. That's revelation. A finite world that things are revealed when numbers do matter. So in order to achieve this revelation, to draw down the Shekhinah, to draw down this light, to reveal this light, it's all about numbers. How many times are you doing the mitzvah? Yes, it matters. How many times are you doing it? Every time matters. And the more the better. The more the merrier. Don't only focus on the quality. Focus also on the quantity. It says the, the, uh, the Talmud and Brachus tells the whole story. Uh, they impeached Rabbi Gamliel from being the head of the Jewish Supreme Court. And he was impeached. Instead, they appointed Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. So when they appointed him as the president of the Jewish Supreme Court, he had a different policy, Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel was all about quality. If you weren't worthy, if your inside was not consistent with your outside, because people have a lot of, on the surface it could be one thing, but inside, a whole different story. He wouldn't let them into the synagogue. So there was plenty of room in the synagogue. It wasn't full at all. (laughs) 
You have to qualify to get in. And most people didn't qualify. You have to be genuine, authentic, deep, profound, living up to your potential, excel. You have to excel. You have to be, you know, how many people climb Mount Everest? You have a handful of people. So you had a handful of people in the synagogue, in the, in the study hall. Most people were left outside. The day Rabbi Lazar and Azariah became the, Jewish Supreme, the head of the Jewish Supreme Court, he opened up all the doors. Everyone is allowed it. And there were so many seats, they couldn't even seat anyone. It was standing alone. There were so many seats added to the base of members. And the Talmud says that ultimately that is the real approach. But it's all about quantity. You know, Rabbi Gamliel felt bad. Maybe he was wrong. So they showed him in heaven that a lot of the students that were let in, allowed in are not inside like outside. But Rashi said they just told him that to make him feel good. But the reality is that that was the correct approach. Because quantity affects quality. Just like when you have a minion, you have ten, you can count. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, not ten. We don't want to count Jews directly, so we count it indirectly. We say, which has ten, ten words. When you have the numbers, you have the quality. Now you can say Kaddish. Now Hashem Shechina is revealed. When the Beis HaMedish became filled, flowing with students, it enhanced the quality as well. Because for a Jew, there's no dichotomy between quantity and quality. And that's what the Rebbe encouraged nowadays in age. It's so important to emphasize quantity, to get as many Jews as possible engaged in Judaism. Even if it's not necessarily in the highest caliber. But quantity, in a sense, is more important than quality at this point. We have to have synagogue should be standing room only. The study hall should be standing room only. Get as many. And eventually, the quantity will affect the quality and enhance the quality. So you see this in this theme, in this letter here. He's saying that numbers matter. How many times you give is as important, if not more important, than the quality that you give. At least as important. And it affects the quality. It affects the level of revelation because it draws down, each time you do it, it draws down again and again and again. You add another brick, another brick, which could receive this revelation. It's a very profound, very powerful concept. It's a counterintuitive way of looking at reality. But this is the merging of the one with the one, quality and quantity. Where one enhances the other and one and they work hand in hand. And this is ultimately affected by tzedakah. Tzedakah, you see it. Tzedakah, just like you help, the rich person helps the poor person and brings the two together. So too, through the act of tzedakah, you're bringing together quality and quantity, the spiritual and the physical. You're bringing the worlds together. The hidden, sublime, concealed, the Kaddish, Hashem, who's completely transcendent, and you bring Hashem down into the world of numbers, into the, phys- into the world of revelation. And you're unifying these two worlds, these two universes. 
quantity and quality, spiritual and physical. And you accomplish that every single time you give tzedakah, every time you give a penny to tzedakah, every single time. You're accomplishing this tremendous unification and merging. And when you realize this, then it becomes much more difficult to stop or to reduce your tzedakah. You realize the importance and the effect and the power that we're accomplishing. You understand why Hashem starts asking and Hashem starts inquiring and Hashem starts wondering. Because Hashem notices something is missing, something essential. An essential ingredient is missing when we stop or reduce or postpone our giving of tzedakah. Your eyes are wells in Shishwan. Your eyes are wells in the city of Cheshbon. This is a verse from Song of Songs. So now he's going to interpret it. Since a well or a pool is a receptor for water that flows down into it, well serves as a term for Malchut, the feminine sphere which receives the downfall of divine life force from the highest sphere. The word Sheshbon is a biblical place name, but on the non-literal level of divorce, it is here understood in its dictionary meaning of reckoning. The allusion to this verse thus reinforces the identity of the concept of reckoning with the sphere of Malchut. So, Berecha is Becheshbon. Berecha, a pool, a receptor, which is Malchus, that is the world of reckoning. That is the world of numbers. That is the world where, of quantity. And therefore, every time you do, and the amount of times that you do, not only the quality, but the quantity, matters. It makes a difference. It has an effect. A profound effect. Yalta Rebbe now returns to clarify the meaning of his earlier statement that giving a great amount of Shishbongadol of Tzedakah manifests the greatness of Havaya in the city of all God. As is known, the meaning of the above statement is that as a result of an arousal from man below, the provision of the means for life, grace, kindness by an act of charity with goodwill and a friendly countenance there is elicited an arousal from above so that God will make his countenance shine forth with the radiation and downflow of grace, kindness, and supreme favor. God is interactive. He says, you smile, he smiles. You're kind, he's kind. You're generous, he's generous. Let's talk in the positive, not the negative. <laughs> it works both ways. Um, so if you are giving and generosity of spirit, and you make the poor person feel so good, you lift up his spirit, and you help him, you know, you make him feel so good, Hashem responds. Hashem also smiles, and reveals his good countenance, and his good will, and his generosity. The fountainhead of life, the blessed on itself, whose greatness is unfathomable and utterly incomprehensible to the level of divinity is of his malchut, and which your kingdom is the kingdom of all worlds, the world of manifestation. Hashem himself, it's said elsewhere, is like darkness. Hashem not only is not revealed, he can't be revealed. Hashem is, transcends revelation. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.